I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome in, Ute fans, to another edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's always powered by KSLSports.com, and I'm your host and Ute's insider, Trevor Allen. As we are one day away, as of taping this podcast, from Utah Spring Football. Yep, that's right. We finally have the dates, we have the spring game, and spring football is happening on the hill. And obviously, we will have you covered wall-to-wall throughout spring football here on the crimson corner podcast and at kslsports.com thank you guys so much for tuning in i really do appreciate it we will talk to former utah quarterback drew lisk he's going to be a guy that i lean on a lot throughout the off season and during the 2021 season it's always good to get the quarterback's point of view especially when he's coming off of his career drew and i have a lot to discuss regarding utah spring football coming up here on the Crimson Corner podcast. But first, a couple of news and notes before we get into the interview. We will talk Utah basketball coming up in the next segment. But as I mentioned, spring football is coming up. And a couple of things to point out. It is closed to the media and the public. Practices are. The media will be meeting with head coach Kyle Whittingham, assistant coaches, and players virtually three times per week throughout spring ball. There's a bunch of position battles, which we will get into with Drew Lisk. But the spring game will be on Saturday, April 17th. They have not announced kickoff times and anything of that sort. I know that there's a big question mark about whether or not fans will be allowed to go. Um, I think that that is why they have not announced a kickoff time yet, because they want to figure out if they can have fans. So there's that. But obviously... Keep an eye out on kslsports.com for the latest on that. And Utah football, so a lot a lot has changed as far as the coaching staff and things like that since we last talked. I did mention that Samson Nakua entered the portal. He is going to BYU to join his brother, Puka Nakua, who entered the portal at Washington. Um, they're both heading down to Provo to play for Kwani Satake and the Cougars, which Utah and BYU will square off in Provo. On September 11th. But part of that, so a day after that happened, Guy Holiday was relieved of his duties. A Utah spokesperson confirmed to KSL Sports that Guy Holiday was no longer with the program. That's all that they would say. And then a few days later, Utah hired Chad Bumfus as the wide receiver coach. Now, Bumfus was a graduate assistant in 2018. He worked with the wide receivers during his time as a GA. 
And he comes to Utah after being the wide receivers coach at Austin PA. And then in 2021, he did accept the same position at Central Michigan, but then Utah came calling. So he then decided, well, Utah's better than Central Michigan as far as the job goes. And so he decided to go to Utah. But he is a coach on the rise and, you know, bring in a, a young, energetic guy who I, I think could do a lot of good things. And, and not to say that Guy Holiday didn't. Guy Holiday did a great job. Um, I think he was just worn out and a lot was going on, especially in a COVID year. And so that was, I think, what led to it. But we will, I'm sure it'll come up in our first media availability with Kyle Whittingham on Monday regarding Guy Holiday and Chad Bumpus, and as well as Brian Thompson and Samson Nakua, both leaving and Utah not bringing in anybody other than Makai Cope from the 2021 recruiting class, but nobody out of the portal. But that's still a possibility for Utah to go into is to get a couple of wide receivers out of the portal. That That is an option out there. There's still guys in there. One more piece of news before we get, uh, dive into the interview with Drew Lisk. Utah cornerback Aaron Lowe, he is switching his number from number two to number 22. People are wondering, well, that's Ty Jordan's number. You're right, it is. And I think there's only one person on this Utah football team that if they were to wear Ty Jordan's number, it would be Aaron Lowe. Because Aaron Lowe and Ty Jordan were, were teammates back in high school. They also played seven-on-seven seven together, and they were, live, they, were, they were longtime friends and teammates. And so it was really cool to see that they're being very selective on who wears number 22. It's not just going to be a number tossed up in the air. Although Ty Jordan's aunt did tweet out that she thought that the Utes were going to retire the number, but if somebody was to wear number 22, it would be Aaron Lowe. So that's really, really cool. And I'm, I'm sure that they're going to do other things to honor Ty Jordan and his life. I think that when the new stadium renovations happen um, and it's all completed that, and again, this is just a hunch, no sources attached here or anything, that they're going to name Portal 22 after Ty Jordan at Rice Eccles Stadium. As spring ball vastly approaches, we are on the eve of spring ball for the University of Utah. And to preview that as someone who was on the 2020 team, but now not on the 2021 team, he decided to retire on, on a high note, just like Peyton Manning did. We go to former Utah quarterback, Drew List. Drew, how are you, man? I'm doing well, Trevor. How are you today? Doing good. How do you like being compared to Peyton Manning? <laughs> I don't know if that's quite appropriate, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> so... You've obviously gone through the feeling of spring ball. Last year, you guys didn't have spring ball. You guys had, what, three practices, and then COVID shut everything down. But mm -hmm. you've gone through the feeling time and time again of what this day is like. What is it like around the locker room, around the team, as spring ball is right here? I'd say, you know, a lot of excitement. You got uh, January and February and then the first week or two of March, uh, it's a grind. It's pretty much weight room and conditioning, uh, outside of, you know, you're throwing on your own with the, some of the guys getting some specific field work in for your position. But as far as organized with the whole team, it's, it's all lifting and running and, uh, not that that stuff's not important, but it's certainly not as fun as <laughs> going out and having an actual practice. So that, uh, first spring ball practice is definitely always something people are looking forward to for sure so utah has a 
bunch of position battles of what they're going to be going through during spring ball and fall camp. But the one that obviously stands out and, and it stood out last year as well, and it's going to be a thing again this year, the uh, quarterback battle going into spring and then obviously into fall in 2020, you were in that quarterback battle with Cam Rising and Jake Bentley. And now that Jake Bentley's gone, you're gone. Cam's still there, but Cam suffered a season ending injury. He won't be in spring ball, but then you bring in a, a Texas transfer you bring in a four-year starter at Baylor who's transferring in, and you also bring in a 2021 recruit in uh, Peter Costelli. What is this camp going to be like, especially spring ball? Cam's not going to be there. What would this be like, especially having new guys coming in, trying to learn the system without Cam, who was your original starter? Well, I'll start by saying that even though Cam is hurt, you know he's still going to be extremely helpful to everyone in there. Um, even throughout the season after he was injured, he was always in the meetings and he's just a smart guy and knows the offense real well. So even though he won't be having an impact on the field, uh, you know, his impact in the meeting room, I think will be just as strong as ever and be really important for those guys coming in. I think uh, you got what other than, you know, you got guys like Cooper Justice and, uh, you got Bryson Barnes, who even who's a walk-on. Some those guys were there last year, um, you know, very limited reps. So Cam's really the only guy that's been around the offense a lot. But uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see um, kind of who gets a lot of the reps, um, who takes advantage, who's you know getting a good grasp of the offense early on uh, prior to practice starting. Um, so you know, I think it'll be I think it'll be important for all those guys to get some actual practice reps of what they've been looking at and studying for the past, what, two months now. So yeah, it's, it's a uh, spring is a learning period for everyone, especially, you know, you often have freshmen early enrollees um, that are in. So there's a lot of learning in spring ball for sure. So it doesn't always look as pretty as you want it to, but that's part of the, part of the process. So, um, you know, it sounds like there's some great guys though. Um, and I would expect quarterbacks to play well. Now, how much does Andy Ludwig throw in the offense during spring ball? Does he give them, you know, a bunch to work on and, you you know, throw a bunch of the plays of the playbook in there to start out spring and then you kind of build it up more as spring goes along? Or what is kind of the, you know, strategy for new guys coming in at quarterback um, as they approach spring ball? I'd say it's fairly steady, you know, uh, the install days, they're not, they're not too much, but they're not, you know, maybe like practice before scrimmage or something, the install will be really light just so um, can rep what's in and what's going to be ran in the scrimmage. But, um, you know, he does a good job of keeping enough on your plate to keep you, uh, keep you on your toes and keep you busy and making sure you, you know, what's what, but uh, you know, it's usually not overwhelming and it's not an easy it's not an easy system to run as a quarterback, but if you understand it and you study film playbook, all that, then it can get to the point where it's not hard either. So um, yeah, he does a good job managing the installs. And like I said, fairly steady most days, most weeks, other than with the exception of like right before a scrimmage or something. And then moving over to the running backs, two transfers coming in from one from LSU, one from Oklahoma, um, and then you have one guy who played last year in Bernard and then, you know, signing a guy out of Florida in Ricky Parks. 
I know that, especially, you know, the tragic passing of Ty Jordan, we've already talked about that on, on, a, on a previous episode, but just how hard is it going to be for these guys to really get going, especially for Bernard, as he was, was close to Ty Jordan um, prior to his passing, heading in, into spring ball, knowing that you're bringing in new guys just like you are at quarterback? You know, I think Utah is certainly – um, if it's not already with the recruits we're bringing in, it's, I think it's proof as to the two grad transfers. Um, it's an attractive spot for running backs based off of the history of guys going to the NFL um, and the consistent production from that position each year. Um, I think that they'll, I think they're going to thrive. Um, you know, obviously some big names coming from some big schools or big recruits. Um, Makai last year really stepped up and was becoming really productive for us in game. Um, so, you know, I think the running backs, I think we'll pick it up just fine. And uh, I would expect big things probably from that position as normal. And then you look at the wide receivers. A lot has happened since you and I last chatted on, on this podcast. Uh, Brian Thompson entered the portal. He's going to Arizona State, a rival of Utah. Samson Nakua entered the portal. He's going to BYU, an even bigger rival of Utah. Um, and you only bring in one signee from, from the 2021 recruiting class, and you don't pick up any other guys from the portal. And then you also make a switch with Guy Holiday out and then bringing in Chad Bumfus in, who was a GA a couple of years ago, who's now the wide receiver coach. How big of a challenge is that group right now without having two dynamic playmakers? You have a bunch of young guys, but you do have Britton Covey, and Solomon Enos, but how, how much of a challenge are they going to be facing during spring and fall camp? Uh, I mean, it's going to be just as much of a challenge for them as for anyone else. Um, like you said, a lot of young guys, but, you know, you got some, a few guys, older guys that are good leaders that have been around the program, been in the offense for two years now. So um, I think, you know, they'll, they're going to, they're going to step up and, you know, lead the way for the young guys. Um, and then, the young guys are talented. Um, so, you know, like I spoke about with the quarterbacks taking advantage of the opportunities in practice. Um, you know, I think that's what you'll see from those young guys uh, with a more understanding of the playbook from, you know, being in the system last year. Um, and now, you know, they're going to get their chance um, just with the things that have, have unfolded in the past few weeks to their turn now. So, um, you know, that's what, ultimately everybody wants so you know hopefully hopefully they'll be prepared mentally and understanding of the system wise to go out there play fast and make plays because there's there's a lot of talent in the room even though there's some talent that's left um there's still a lot of talent in that room I know that you and I talked about Brian Thompson when he entered the portal we did a, a live stream and you know we obviously haven't talked uh live since he went to ASU, but you were, you know, pretty surprised by that. But were you, were you surprised that, that Samson one entered the portal and two ended up at BYU with his brother? Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess when you look at it, the big picture, you know, is, is he's had a brother or two, I think that's played there. Um, now you, you, the news is out that Puka is transferring from Washington. So they're going there together. Um, in that regard, it's not too surprising. You know, that's where, his family's down in Provo. Not that that's far, but um, <laughs> for him so, at least, I mean, Puka was, but not for Samson. 
Right, right. But so back to their family, though, that's what I was referring to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think not surprising maybe that the two of them want to go somewhere together. And unfortunately for Utah, it wasn't just Samson Samput and Puka coming here. But um, yeah, I mean, surprising just because he's such a loved guy on the team. He's a happy-go-lucky guy. Everybody, there's another guy on the team that doesn't like Samson. Um, not a person on the team that Samson doesn't <laughs> like and enjoys being around, you know. So from that regard, yeah, surprising. Um, but, you know, like I said, um, the two of them going together and back to where they originally lived growing up uh, in that regard, I guess, I don't know, not too surprising. But I am fairly shocked that he decided to leave. But um, eh, it is what it is, I guess. And then right after Samson put, put his name in the portal, I think it was the next day, Guy Holiday was relieved of his duties as the wide receiver coach at Utah. Were you were you surprised by that news? Yeah, you know, he's been a guy that's been there ever since I got there. I think I think my first year might have been his second year. 2016 was his first year. Okay, so it was, yeah. So his first year was my first year as well. Um, so someone that had been around, really likable guy. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, I haven't been there since – the begin since the end of last year, so I'm not sure what was going on, you know, within the program. Um, so yeah, surprised to see him gone, but uh, like you referenced, Coach Bumpus, he was a GA in 18. Um, I really liked him. I think the receivers liked him. So um, given the situation, you know, I think I think he'll come in and do a great job. Um, you know, people really related to him when he was here in 18. So um, I think that'll be. I think he'll have a positive impact on the program. All right. So now the O-line, the guys protecting the quarterback, very solid year from them, at least towards the end of the year. It was, mm-hmm. it was kind of a shaky start to start out, but you know, Keaton Bills got, got some really quality playing time as did others. So what is the potential of this uh, O-line group? They have a really good chance to be one of the best position groups on the team. If you ask me um, a lot of guys um, that have, again, played at in this program for a number of years um, coming back and a lot of offensive line is you know that chemistry that glue of you know guys working together because even though um, a lot of football is one individual position playing your position those guys are communicating passing off blitzes twists all that stuff on a constant basis so uh, I think you know last year like you said, they had a good year last year. I think they'll be even better next year. You, I think pretty much everyone's back, right? I mean, I don't yeah. know of anyone that's anyone that should be leaving. Um, so yeah, they last year we had you know seven or eight guys that were easily in the mix. So that's a good number to have, and probably even gets bigger this year. So they should they should have a really good year and should expect a lot of good things from them. And now moving over to defense, the D-line. Mika Tafua obviously stands out there. And then you've obviously got some tackles in there that, I mean, it, there's probably four or five deep at the two tackle positions with Devika Fusi now moving over there and Hawati Pututau and Biani Mawala. As like Kyle Whittingham has mentioned, he's probably the best D-tackle in the entire Pac-12. Um, and then you also have Xavier Carlton, Van Fillinger at, at the end spots as well who really come into their own. Um, as long as as well as Blake Keithy, you know, he was a guy who who really came on strong towards the end of the year. How stout is this D line? Because you've been a practice against some of the big ones with Bradley and and Lecky and and those other guys too. But I mean, we know that Utah has a strong history of D line. Is this 
where where is this up there among some of the ones you've you've been around while at Utah? The potential's there. Um, like you mentioned, obviously starters Mika. I mean, he's one of he's his one he's one of the best. Um, he's just a stud, and he gets it done. Um, very talented player. Um, and then the guys inside, they don't defensive tackles rarely get any credit at all. But when they're taking on double teams, um, then when they're filling their gaps in in run defense, uh, it goes unnoticed a lot. But those guys that we have, um, they do it. They do it great and frees up other great players on the defense in the next level. So um, the guys in the middle, um, I would expect a lot from them. They're, like you said, deep and talented. Um, and then the young guys on the edge, um, Xavier Van and Blake, um, you know, they got, I think they have the potential to be, you know, the next great defensive end out of Utah. So um, the defensive line is always good. And <laughs> I would expect more of the same this year. And then you look at the linebackers, Devin Lloyd coming back. He, he already mentioned he's going to come back and run, and run it back. Nephi Sewell was a guy who was uh, starting alongside of him, moving from, from safety down to backer. But then uh, they also had Sione Fotu, but I believe he's going on a mission. So he won't be back. But they also signed three big-time recruits at linebacker with Trey Reynolds, Mason Tufaga, and Ethan Calvert. How much are those guys going to be relied on to get some big-time reps in spring ball? Uh, it'll be good for them to get their feet in first experience of college football. Um, it's always, always a challenge, um, but good for them this year, better in spring ball than <laughs> in the regular season. So yeah. uh, they got that going for them, but uh, talking, just speaking of, I mean, Devin and Nephi, those two guys right there, they might be the two fastest linebacker pair in college football. I mean, those guys can fly and that that's a huge help on the defense when you got got guys at that level that can run and chase down just about anybody on the opposing, on the opposing team. Um, they're both great tacklers and, you know, Devin probably could have gone to the NFL and been successful, been drafted this year, but he chose to come back. I think that'll be big, not just from a talent standpoint, from a, but for also from a leadership standpoint on the defense. Um, so that's huge for the defense as a whole. And then obviously for that position, um, yeah, I mean, I mean the defense. There's a lot to like about the defense yet again. Uh, going into another season, saying the same thing about a Utah defense, not surprising. Yeah, and that and that was kind of the big question mark going into 2020 was just how young it was and how you know experienced the offense was. And now we're kind of flipping the switch again, which it seems like we do that every single year, where it's always you know the offense that has all the all the problems and you know the you know, question marks and, and, you know, positions that have to emerge, but it, it's kind of crazy to think, do you think looking at this now, I, I know that there were times last year because we know that, that Utah's base defense is nickel and because, you know, Scally likes to try and man up and, you know, try and, and not let anything over the top, but with how much depth and how much young talent Utah has at the linebacker positions, is there going to be more switching to four, three, probably not go to their base defense, but could that be something that it, that, that plays a factor more where they go three backers? Could be, you know, I mean, one thing about coach Scally is um, he's always matching what the other team present puts on the field each and every play, you know, he doesn't, he calls his call after the offense makes their, so, you know, I mean, he, he's 
really particular and specific and just very detail oriented as far as his game plan each week. So a lot of it, you know, nickel defense has to be the base for a lot of teams these days, just because of the, like what offense teams are running these days, you know, uh, you see mostly 11 personnel across the board. Um, that's probably the predominant personnel uh, in college football now. So um, that is probably part of the explanation for a nickel defense, but uh, you know, a guy like Nephi, I think, I think he helps, you know, if some of those young guys can show that early on that they can play uh, a guy like Nephi is a guy you can move around and he can be, he can be multi-dimensional as far as position-wise, what he's able to do, who he can cover. Uh, so in that regard, I think you could they could be a little bit more flexible. And even though it might be a 4-3, you know, Nephi is uh, – he, I mean, he put a, some weight on last year, and who knows, he might be weighing 230 now. I don't know anyways. But um, uh, he's certainly a guy that would be a lot of fun to have as a defensive coordinator. So, so playing against the Trojans who, who did air raid – um, I noticed a lot that Sewell was kind of used as that third safety, which which kind of shows the versatility of what he's able to do. Not only could he come up and play backer, but he can also make plays in his original position at, at safety, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest, uh, it's hard to when during a game I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to, I, I wouldn't have known that he was doing that. Uh, you're over talking to Jake and uh, you're yeah, over talking exactly. to Jake and Cam, hard. right? Yeah, it's. Uh, that'll be one of the good things about now. I get to be a spectator of college football game. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so I, if he did that, that doesn't surprise me because, you know, when he was playing safety here at first before he moved to linebacker, <laughs> he was a great player of safety. So, like I said, just a great, great guy to have on defense who can do a lot of things. And then you look at the guys who are going up against the wideouts, you know, some of the best in, you know, the country in, in, in the Pac-12, but you've got Clark Phillips the third. Travis Broughton, Nate Ritchie's not going to be back for two years. He's going on a mission, but hopefully you'll have RJ Hubert back um, as he, you know, is fully healthy from that horrible injury in the Pac-12 title game in 2019. And then a guy who I thought had a, a, a breakout year was was Vontae Davis. I think that that's a pretty solid core to build around. And now it's just trying trying to find find that depth in that secondary. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, like you said, uh, still a fairly you know, you got Vontae's a little bit. He's an older guy. Um, I think he'll be a senior this year, I believe. Yeah, um, yep. super senior, so, yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so there's still quite a bit of youth. So um, in that in that position group as a whole, corners and safeties. Um, so I would expect a lot of growth from last year, um, getting a full offseason and what should be now a full spring ball. Um you know, like like I said, with the linebackers, the new guys coming in, just spring ball reps or it's just practice. But practice at this level when you're going against great offense, great defense, practice is invaluable. So to those guys getting their first reps, it's a, it's a new game and they're going to get they're going to get to try it out for the first time in spring. And that's a great time. But uh, with a lot of these guys, though, it's a lot of guys coming back, um, maybe a, some guys that didn't get a ton of game action last year um, that will get a chance to get a lot of action in practice. So I would expect a lot of, you know, a lot of the guys from last year that played quite a bit to be on the field a lot, but maybe, maybe some other guys as well that for whatever reason, you know, not a lot of experience last year. Um, But I think that's a, that's a position group corners and safeties that 
gains more depth um, going into this year than what we thought we might have last year. All right, two more things, and then I'll let you go, Drew. Now, this is your first year of not having to go through spring ball, fall camp, and all that stuff. As someone who's just sitting here right now, the media and fans always try to take as much stock into what happens in spring ball. As someone who's been in spring ball, how much stock should we really take into what happens during the spring? That's a tricky question, you know. Um, I think it's I think it's great experience to get, and each rep is valuable for every each individual. Um, but then there again, there's also there's a lot of time in between spring ball and fall camp and the first game. Um, so it's while it's important, I think it's more important from an individual growth and maybe a team growth standpoint rather than you know, for us outsiders sitting here watching or, you know, getting reports about how practice is going, um, you know, it's kind of hard to evaluate from that perspective just because so much of it is learning and even making mistakes. Um, good to make mistakes in spring ball than compared to the season and game. Um, so it's a lot of learning, um, just a lot of good experience. So, from the outside looking in, it's kind of hard to evaluate, but, you know, for each individual position group, each unit, um, for the team as a whole, it's, it's great reps and accumulation of chemistry and all that good stuff. Um, so I think it's more valuable for the team from a internal perspective rather than, uh, you know, people evaluating and, having their opinions and talking about, Oh, who had a good spring, blah, blah. blah. Um, so I think it's, I think it's more important from the standpoint of the players. So basically ignore everything Kyle Whittingham tells us. Eh, well, you know, he, well, what he's telling you though, is coming from inside the team and what he sees. So, you know, I, I'm just saying it's kind of hard to, well, you know, Kyle doesn't no, tell no us game. much then. Well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's a shocker. I'm going to kind of give you a, a question that that might actually be a little bit hard for you because if I was just to ask this straight up without putting a except for I already know your answer which position battle besides the quarterback are you most intrigued by heading into spring ball oh man I would say probably probably running back uh just because you know there's um you got what two transfers um freshman signing yeah Makai um a couple other younger guys that you know might get a little bit in the mix during the spring um I think that'd be the most intriguing to see if anyone in the spring kind of emerges as you know the head honcho um yeah that'd be that'd probably be my most interesting battle to keep an eye on um just because so much production from last year um isn't returning so I think that would be that's probably the biggest one to keep an eye out. Uh, you know, as you hinted a second ago, probably won't find out if there is someone who's really emerging (laughs) as the lead guy, but, uh, time will tell. And, um, I think that'll be, that'll be the most fun to watch to see, you know, if anyone, if anyone does start taking a lot of the reps, I don't know what the media exposure to being able to watch anything. We're not able to watch a damn thing. That's, that's probably what I figured. So it's until uh, the spring game, at least. Yeah, there you go. So, but everyone get, will be able to watch but, that. 
Right. Yeah. So that, that'll be hard to tell, but uh, so no scrimmagers or anything, but yeah, so it'll be, it'll be hard to monitor, I guess. But um, if we were able to closely monitor, I would say that would running back position would be the most intriguing to me. Are, are you sleeping better at night knowing you don't have to go through the rigors of spring ball? Uh, yeah, I would probably say I sleep. Eh, I used to go to bed pretty early if, if I knew I had practice or something the next day, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty, uh, relaxing time of life right now. Can't complain. <laughs> the life of Drew Lisk, a life we all want to live. Drew, it's always good to catch <laughs> up with you, man. We'll, we'll definitely talk soon. Uh, probably leading up to the spring game. Sounds good. Thanks for having me again, Trevor. And there you go. That was former Utah quarterback, Drew Lisk. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to recap the season for the running Utes. You're listening to the Crimson Corner Podcast. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Back into the Crimson Corner podcast. It's powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host and Utes Insider Trevor Allen. As we have already previewed spring football, now it's time to dive into some running Utes for the last time for a little while. They uh, went into the Pac-12 tournament as the number seven seed after beating Arizona State by 39 points in their season finale on Saturday, March 6th, and they took on the Washington Huskies uh, in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament in Las Vegas. They were able to pull out a 98-95 win, but Utah was up by as much, I think, as 17 or 19 points. And Washington came back and scored 60 points in the second half and gave Utah a run for their money, but they were able to pull out the win, 98-95. to Which then they turned around and took on the USC Trojans. Now that game was very entertaining to a point where there was a chance Utah was going to win that game. But Utah fought to the end, and they left everything they had out on that floor. And in their two meetings against USC, they always seem to have had an answer for Evan Mobley, who I think is going to be a top five pick in the NBA draft. He obviously won the Pac-12 Player of the Year, the Defensive Player of the Year, and the Freshman of the Year. He's the first Pac-12 player to do that, to, to sweep those three awards, and only the second one in college basketball behind only Anthony Davis when he was at Kentucky. 
But Evan Mobley had a career-high 26 points. But Utah, whenever they were down and, and you thought that they were just down for the count, that it was over, but they would just bounce back up. And they went to double overtime where Ian Martinez hit clutch free throws in regulation to send the game to overtime. Alfonso Plummer hit a big three to tie the game to send it to double overtime. But Utah just ran out of gas. And they ran out of depth because they didn't have Ryland Jones. And you had Timmy Allen foul out. You had Mickey Yontanen foul out. Um, Brandon Carlson had four fouls. Ian Martinez fouled out. And Riley Batten also fouled out. So four guys fouled out of the game between the end of regulation and in that second overtime. And one and another guy had four fouls. So you were going pretty deep into your bench. But Utah eventually lost 91-85. to But proud of the fight for that. But it was just such an inconsistent year for Utah basketball. They would have big wins over Colorado and Arizona. But then they would lose to Cal and Washington. And it was just hard to get a grasp on this basketball team. The talent's there. And I believe that Larry Kraskoviak has done a solid job with this team. But I know that there's a lot of criticism out there for him that in his 10 years at Utah, they've only made it to the NCAA tournament twice. And he's the highest paid coach in the Pac-12. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, Mark Harlan can change that. Well, the thing is, Mark Harlan came in when that contract was already in place. Chris Hill did that contract before he left. You're also in the middle of a global pandemic where the Utah Athletic Department is losing tens of millions of dollars. I think Harlan said 40 or 50 million or something like that. Oh, back back when when the pandemic began and he he thought that the projections would be about that much loss from the athletic department. And the thing about Larry Kraskoviak's contract if you're going to fire him, you're going to have to pay his buyout. And his buyout is around $3 million for every year left on his contract. And his contract's not up till June of 2023. So that's about $6 million right now. I think it's $3 million for the buyout. I know it's a lot of money. But then is that something that you want to go through right now as a program? Because when, when you let go of a coach, you start things over again. I mean, for, for football, Utah hasn't had, had that problem since Urban Meyer left. And really, it was a smooth transition from... Urban Meyer to Kyle Whittingham, and has built a culture to where they are consistently competing and contending. Utah used to be a basketball school. Now it, it is a football school. For those of you who are basketball fans out there, it's not a basketball school anymore. It is now a football school. But that doesn't mean that things can change over time. And I think it could. I mean, listen, Larry Kraskoviak has always been great to me. He's treated me well. I've had you know individual conversations with him. He's always been good with his time to talk to me and other media members. I never wish any ill will on any coaches. But when things aren't going right, that's where the problems start is, is up top. And I'm never going to call for somebody's job. But if you want the program to be back to where it was back when Rick Majerus took them to the Elite Eight one year and then the next year to the national championship game and you were darn near close to winning a national championship, then you might need to take a look at the program from a higher level. And that's Mark Harlan's job. So it'll be interesting in in the coming days. The thing is for Utah, they only had one senior on, on their team, and that was Plummer. He has the option to come back because of COVID. 
nobody burned a, a year of eligibility this year in football, basketball, or any sport. So Plummer could come back. I know that Brooks King is gone, but he was a walk-on who spent the last semester on scholarship. Um, but everyone else can come back. I mean, I saw a lot of growth out of Ian Martinez. That kid is special. He is a dang good basketball player. And I'm excited to watch him grow as he progresses in this program. And Timmy Allen's just got to get a jump shot, and he'll be a very dynamic player. But in today's basketball, you have to have a jump shot. And right now, I'm going to be flat-out honest, Timmy Allen doesn't have that yet. Could he get it? Absolutely. Players have done that. Brandon Carlson has, has a jump shot, and he's seven feet tall. And Brandon Carlson's got a bright future, too, if he can just put on some pounds. And Rylan Jones, he just needs to stay healthy. There's a lot of things where it's just small tweaks with these guys in the offseason, and they could become a Pac-12 contender. And I, I think that if, if Larry Kraskoviak does come back next year, his seat is going to be super hot. If he doesn't get Utah to be in that conversation to get in, into the tournament, like even bubble watch or anything like that, then it might be time to pull the plug. Because for the last couple of years now, you're using the youth as the excuse. Well, these guys are getting older. It's time to start winning games and getting back into the big dance. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Make sure you guys download the KSL Sports app. It's powered by University Federal Credit Union. And also, make sure you guys keep an eye on that app because we're going to have a lot of stuff coming out content-wise regarding spring football. It's here. It's something to talk about football-wise. I know it's not fall yet, but we're getting there. And we will get there together. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been the Crimson Corner Podcast. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.